Welcome to Western Kabuki. This is Black Nicholson. Uh, we are, of course, entering week two of Cats Cast. Uh, we took a week <laughs> off to talk about Sneeko, and now we're talking about cats again. Uh, no, I'm not going to spend. I, I re listened to that episode. It's so fucking much to talk about cats. But um, <laughs> I loved your passion, though. I really I, I let you keep going. You got to see passionate. it in person. Uh, yeah, for those of I you did. who don't know, I was graced with the presence of June within my home for uh three days or so um thank you for coming juniper yeah it was a lot um, of fun i had such a wonderful time if you couldn't tell uh i could tell from yeah <laughs> it was wonderful philadelphia is a great city and i'm still never going to learn how to spell it properly that's my premise are you, are you spelling it wrong i've always been spelling it wrong like if i oh, posted really? about it yeah I, I don't think i've spelled it right once and i'm not going to look it up how oh wow okay i like that <laughs> i think that's cool um we we are going to actually start this episode with a very um a very uh, an episode we wish we didn't have to record um but unfortunately situations have arisen in such a degree um that this podcast is fully dedicated to the destruction and harm of the Delta Airlines Corporation <laughs> That's and right. I don't think there's a better representative of western kabuki's enmity with Delta than our one and only bird respecter. How are we doing, Caleb? <laughs> um, I'm fussy. I'll be honest. I, fussy? I'm fussy. I'm fussy because of Delta Airlines, and I resent them for making me feel fussy. I don't like to feel fussy. I'm an adult <laughs> man, and there's no better way to sum up the emotions that I was feeling for 26 fucking hours stuck in the Minneapolis airport. Uh, also, <laughs> just a quick thing I want to say before I go on my... <laughs> Rant about my weekend. Uh, everybody in Minneapolis and Minnesota was very friendly. So if I say anything, just know that uh, nothing to do with you guys. Uh, great city. I wish I could have gotten out of the airport to check it out. Uh, so if you ever hear me <laughs> talk shit on Minnesota or Minneapolis, it's just because I was in a Buffalo Wild Wings for about... Oh, besides, I was there the entire time, except for um, when I was sleeping at my hotel for about four and a half hours and went right back to that Buffalo Wild Wings because that's where it was close to all the fucking gates. I don't know. Anyway, um, so yeah, I uh, took off from Seattle and I had what was supposed to be about a 90 minute layover in Minneapolis. Our crew was late um, and it had started snowing right before we landed. And so the crew gets on and we're on the tarmac for about two hours before they say, well, it's just snowing too hard. We can't do it. Our flight is canceled. Uh, Talk to the Delta employees about what to do next, which is like shitty, but okay, fine. I'll figure this out. I'm assuming they'll, you know, I'll get on another flight or I'll get a hotel or I'll figure this out. Like I'm pissed off, but it's not that big of a deal, except for I was at the very back of the airplane. And by the time, (laughs) by the time I got off the airplane, all the Delta employees just fucking left. (laughs) So I'm like stuck in the Minneapolis airport. It's snowing out. I don't know where to go or what to do. Uh, I had to wait about 90 minutes to get a Delta rep on the phone. And they said, oh yeah, you'll get reimbursed for your hotel. Just go figure it out. Um, So I took a $137 Uber to get about 15 minutes down the street um, because the airport was was surge pricing because everybody was stuck there. Uh, got to my hotel and was trying to figure out a flight back when they were like, oh no, actually you're not going to get reimbursed for your hotel. And we are going to make you wait there for four days before we can get you on a flight. So I guess I learned later 
the situation is like everybody's trying to go east. Um, nobody's trying to go back west. So like, well, you can go home to Seattle tomorrow if you want. But you, if you want to go to Philadelphia, it's going to take you anywhere from two to four days. And um, so I basically have to go and then turn around and come right back. And that sucked. So they're like, go to the airport. We'll get you on a standby flight. Fine, whatever. Um, so I just hung out in this Buffalo Wild Wings with a bunch of other dejected <laughs> fucking creeps in their 30s waiting for flights like me and drinking giant novelty sized beers. And that was my entire weekend while you guys were having That's, fun. I feel, I feel so bad. Like the, the entire time, <laughs> like we, we would be like, I don't know, we, we would be out in Seattle doing something and then we would check our messages every once in a while and it would be like, Oh, a new update from Caleb. Yeah. He's going to be stuck there for at least three more hours. Maybe he'll come, maybe yeah. not. And I felt like that was like the entire experience, like for, for us, waiting to see what was going on. And I mean, I can't imagine how horrible that was to experience that. Like, that's insane. When you, when you said that you weren't even reimbursed for any of this, yeah, this it, shit, I, that was just ridiculous. The, the, um, ca- the cancellations ended up costing me over a thousand dollars between hotel, transportation, food, Jesus. my flight back. Um, you know, so they said, basically we won't get you on a flight to Seattle. What we can do is get you on a flight to Philly. Cause that was your original destination. And then you can fly back for free, <laughs> but then I would have to stay in Minneapolis for, uh, anywhere from two to four days. That was the thing is they couldn't tell me like how long it was going to take. If they said it's going to take you, you know, two days, uh, we have this exact flight picked out for you. The weather was going to be clear by then, blah, blah, blah. You're fine. Then I probably just would have done it. Or at least I would have hung out and got a chance to explore the city. You know, but just like having to stay and wait by in the airport on for standby flights was miserable. So I don't know. Sucks. So Delta owes me one thousand dollars. Is that's <laughs> the that's a five minute diatribe. the The important part of this is uh, I've been telling Delta they stopped re- responding to my DMs. They stopped responding to my comments because they know I have no interest in engaging with them other than telling them that they owe me one thousand dollars. <laughs> and they do. Let's be clear. They <laughs> they, they do, do owe you one because. <laughs> That is a fucking shit ton of money to just hang out in a, an airport for like basically, I mean, you said 26 hours, but at least it seemed like it was longer. It seemed like it was like two days at least. Yeah. Cause I, I think it was 27 or 20. I don't actually really know. Cause everything, I, I don't know. It was kind of a blur. Uh, yeah. And then I was, to be fair, I did leave the airport um, for, like, I got back to my um, hotel at like four <clears throat> in the morning and then I slept for a couple and I, <laughs> It's like, got to get up by nine because checkout's at 10. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I slept for a few oh, hours and I was like, well, I guess I'll just get lunch and go right back. So, yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it sucked. <clears throat> and so, one that is all, yeah. <laughs> Minimum. That is all, uh, the reason that we did not, uh, record a, uh, stream or an episode or anything is because, uh, it sucked uh, what we were dealing with. Uh, yeah, we were going especially to th- what Caleb was dealing with. Yeah, because I think we kind of teased we were going to do some like in like real life content together, um, but we, yeah. we just didn't end up having the time or the want to do it without Caleb. So yeah. we were like, well, which is very right. sweet of you guys, by the way. Uh, I <laughs> think you guys should have done it. He wouldn't have missed anything. We were I thought also it would be very funny deflated. To, I mean, we yeah. were pretty sad that it couldn't happen the way we wanted it. I was su- that was the worst part of it. Was like, God damn it! Like this was the first like vacation <laughs> I was going to go on since COVID. Like this was like my, you know. Anyway, that part sucked. That was the worst part of it. Sitting in the airport was not as bad as that. How I felt not being able to get out there <laughs> with you guys and do some fun stuff. So we'll have to reschedule. Yeah. Um, 
uh, Juniper was talking about wanting to go out to uh, Seattle already. Um, and I think that is a definite possibility for me over the summer as well. Um, but uh, we can't make any promises to the audience about that yet, I guess. But <laughs> there are, we do want to do it. I, it's not, it's not something we don't want to do. And much of the time that Juniper was here, we spent sitting in my living room just talking, um, which Juniper has a superpower that she just like straight up has not told any of us about. Uh, she can have like a full four, six hour conversation and never look at her phone even once. Not even once. And an incredible feat of strength that I witnessed inside of my own house. Um, I, yeah. what, what can I say when when I'm with when I'm like with people I try to never like look at my phone you know I don't know I, I don't know if I was just like raised that way or if I, I don't know what it is I just it's don't that do Midwest it. charm it's that yeah, yeah. Old <laughs> Midwest you. banners they they beat that idea we don't have that shit on the coasts no no <laughs> I just like I like living in the moment you know I just like being with the people I'm with I was trying uh, I was trying to explain the northeastern rudeness to Juniper because it was not something she'd ever lived with. And she kept on talking about how nice Philadelphia is, as like the people are kind, uh, which I thought was really <laughs> funny, uh, given our uh, reputation over here. Although I will say there was like some national, some magazine or whatever, like this week that said uh, that Philadelphia is the most helpful city in the country. And that I can agree with that. I mean, going to Philadelphia was basically like the first trip in my entire life that I like planned and went on by myself without like friends or family or anything so i've i've never really like done the whole planning thing so i i just bought the plane ticket and <clears throat> basically tried to just go from there i i didn't really plan so i, I landed in uh, philly and i found out there was a train so i was like oh i guess i'll get on this train um and i i just kind of waited around i've i've never really done like of course i have there's public transit in chicago but in a different city it's always a little different um and then I made my way into the city and then I was like, okay, I got to figure out this subway um, deal. And I talked to like a couple workers um, at the, I think it was called like 30th station, 30th street station. Talked yeah, to yeah, an employee, the train station. super helpful. And then I went down into the subway. He, he directed me like three blocks away. Um, and then I went down there and I was like, hey, can like I just ra- walked up to some random person asked them where this is going to take me. She was super kind, told me what to do. Um, so, I mean, maybe people in Philly aren't necessarily nice, but they were absolutely super helpful. So I, I totally believe um, that that like f- description of the city, everyone that I talked to that I just didn't know, but I just I can't walked up to super helpful, super nice. It's a wonderful city full of maybe aggressive people, but very, very helpful. At no mm. point was I lost. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I put it like people are... Nice, but not friendly. <laughs> yeah, everyone's in a hurry. Yeah, um, they will help you out, but they're not going to like stay and talk to you. Yeah, they'll like maybe insult you um, for asking, <laughs> but then they'll. I think you said like they'll just like show up and help anyways. Like the, the, yeah, they'll try to. They'll like make fun of your like family or something, but they'll, they'll show up. <laughs> they're looking out for the you no- still. The Northeast <laughs> is a special place. Um, <laughs> And I, I, I think it's I think it's a good place. I think it has a uh, I think it has good good intentions over here. If you're gonna be a dick, you might as well be direct. That's the one thing that I can't fucking stand about the Pacific Northwest is everybody's just kind of like passive aggressive and 
blase about how they're a piece of shit to you. And it's like, maybe they'll feign some sort of niceness to you. Right. Um, but they're yeah, actually that's, just... That's what I've heard a lot about the West Coast. I was talking to... to a, from someone from Twitter that I met out in Philly that currently lives in Philly. And she was telling me about, uh, she's from the West coast or like that area. And she said the exact same thing about the West coast that everyone is like, too, maybe, okay, maybe not everyone, but a lot of people can be like two faced. They, they're not like nice about stuff. Like they're nice to your face, but then they're just not like behind closed doors. Yeah. And yeah. it seems like the exact opposite on the East coast, which I definitely prefer. I love yeah. when people are just like assholes, but also just like, I can stay, I, I can hang out with them, you know. What um, what all did you guys do when you're? I know you went to that bookstore. That was that was a funny tweet that you got out of that. What else did you guys do? <laughs> um, let's see. What did we do? We did some fun stuff out here. Um, I got you a cheesesteak um from a racist cheesesteak place, <laughs> uh, which I think is necessary. You, you didn't tell me that it was a racist cheesesteak. You what, I didn't what did you think do it to was necessary. I didn't think it was necessary to explain. So that was a problem of the people who No, but I mean they're all they're all like that. I mean most of the people who own these uh cheesesteak places are like fucking horrible people. Uh do not ask them what they think about like black lives and whether they matter or not because they oh, have shit. a different answer this one though that we went to oregon steaks on oregon street um had a perudo sign out in front of their uh place for like a long time and uh chuck perudo was running for district attorney against larry krasner in philadelphia and larry krasner is the like the bernie supported guy who like eliminated a bunch of cops and fired a bunch of city officials and now they claim that he's like increasing the crime rate in philly like it's his fault it's not that covid ended it's his <laughs> fault um and uh, it's like yeah. that whole particle effect where if you look away people will do crimes you know i forget what that's called you look away from the, the wall and the, the particles start the doing silly shit it's Heisenberg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They were straight up uh, talking about like fucking going Serpico on on Larry Krasner. I remember that. Like, they're they still talk about it. There are like signs. A, a cop got killed. It's so funny too because it was the Temple Police Department, so it's not Philly Police. They must be so fucking pissed off that it wasn't a Philly police officer that got <laughs> killed. And it was a Temple officer. But yeah, a Temple officer. They, I mean, they still blamed him, but now they can't like walk off the job and make a big show of it. Um, <laughs> But those Temple things, is like the university out there, right? I, I yeah, think I yeah, it's one of the big. One yeah, it's one of the big universities here, and and uh, he, yeah, this Temple officer got shot intervening in like a gun crime. It was one of those cases where like the cop was totally in the right and totally did the right thing, and got killed. And it's like, I don't think any police abolitionists think of that as like an own but it has been used a full a few times it's like well who would have shot back at these guys and it's like well who would have not been killed if he wasn't a cop did you think about that you fucking psycho <laughs> um yeah he's like a genuinely he seemed like a great guy from everything that i've read and he got killed i mean i could be wrong maybe there's something i haven't read but like the day it happened i always try to see what do we know about the officer and he had a lot of like good qualities about him and from what I saw, I don't want to like, I'm not going to fucking look it up. I don't care enough. He's a fucking cop. He's dead. I don't care. But the, <laughs> but there were like black banners around the city and stuff for like a day. And there was one of those huge uh, cop funerals that goes through the center of the city. And uh, it's, it's, it's just so like, it's so funny how mad they get in at, at Krasner. But all that is <laughs> to say, Oregon Stakes had a sign for Chuck Peruto that uh, with his 
slogan when he was running uh enough is enough like we've had enough <laughs> of these liberal policies and now we need tough on crime policies and uh yeah they had one of those signs out in front of their place but then like all the cheesesteak places are racist um <laughs> they're all just run by like right-wing italian psychopaths uh so basically who... if you go to philly good luck getting a progressive woke yeah. cheesesteak good luck <laughs> i would say the place that we almost went to actually is probably a more progressive more woke place but it's also a newer place it's not a place that's been there since like 1936 it's been there i since see like 2019 and you know you know the racist cheesesteaks are the best ones like they have the like the good shit you just know you just know that yeah 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 you gotta be a little racist <laughs> to make a cheesesteak um <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah so we had cheesesteaks we uh sort of just drove around the city and looked at a few different things uh we went to a couple shops I, I yeah a lot, there's South a lot of Street cool little neat like shops that we went into a lot of, lot of like really i'm assuming they're all like local little locally yeah, owned yeah places. for the most part yeah a couple um, really cool bars uh too and you hung out with other Twitter people. I don't know if you want to say who it was, but you hung um, out with Twitter people while you were here too. Yeah, sure. I, I don't know if I'll name. Um, actually, you know what? I'll, I'll, whatever. I met like, actually, you know what? I'm not going to because I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, want to. Uh, yeah. You haven't we'll cleared it with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't clear. I, I won't say. But yeah, no, I met uh, a good few uh, people from Twitter. I didn't realize how many people uh, from Twitter live in in philly like that shocked me i made like a couple a couple posts about it and everyone was like oh my god you're here and like all of like all these 30 people that i'm mutuals with all live out here what the fuck yeah that's what uh that's what i've seen um from from what i've seen i mean i've hung out with a lot of posters here one-on-one um i would like to hang out with more i'm open to hang out i actually had somebody dm me today uh, because they were listening to the podcast and we we're like, I didn't know you lived in Philly. I'm going to be visiting. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we can get lunch or whatever. I mean, not to say that it's an open invitation to hang out with anybody who DMs me, but I, <laughs> um, I, I do, I do think it is a very nice, like, uh, it's a nice mix of like posters, types of posters that live out here. Um, but yeah, we had a, uh, <clears throat> We had a lot of uh, we had a lot of just like hang time. It was a lot of just like, like I said, sitting in the living room. I wasn't exaggerating when I said six hours. Um, <laughs> yeah, the first day I got there, I think I came because I, I met with on the on the first day um, that I got out there. I met um, with someone from Twitter, uh, got some lunch, and then I I came over to your place. And I think I got around I got over there around like four thirty, and I think we just straight up talked from four thirty to like eleven. Yeah. Like yeah, that's like all we did. <laughs> that's all we did, um, and that was I think like multi, like two days of just doing that, which was which was nice. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it highly recommend to anyone listening if you have Twitter mutuals that you're like kind of close with and you trust. Highly recommend at some point meeting them. You might find out that in real life uh, they might be some of the coolest people. Uh, you know, uh, at this point, I mean, some of the people Juniper I've met from Twitter on, uh, on are more than one occasion, amazing people. On more than one occasion, you said about me uh, <laughs> that you were shocked at how nice I am and how clear it is <laughs> that I am kind and care for others. Uh, you've met a lot of people who scream at me probably wouldn't have guessed that on Twitter. 
Yeah, anyone who follows Wack knows how much he gets into shit and discourse and people are yelling at him. If you just like didn't know he had a Twitter at all and only knew like him in real life, you would just never assume that about like his online life. There's just no I'm indication. A, I'm a filthy fucking normie and that is my <laughs> that is my problem, you know. I dye my hair purple, I get acrylic nails, but I'm like a regular guy. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> um yeah before we move on from the the philly visit i don't want to forget to shout out alex who also visited yes um and he's not talk to on us the call about, today he's not on the call i'm sorry to say um we he's had to reschedule today. uh we had to reschedule the recording so we um he wasn't able to join and he um he came and he hung out and we talked we did talk some technical stuff about the show which was nice I think uh, I think I think we well covered the trip. It was a disappointment, but not a bad time. I think all told, Caleb has been <laughs> remarkably positive. Can I um, say one thing? Yeah, I, I have yeah, been positive. Um, and I'm. I need you guys to understand how actually like fucking frustrated and at, at points like stressed the fuck out and, and angry I was. But I, I I got through that after about the first hour. I was like, well, there's no no like point in freaking out over this, but. If you want to help me, for, yeah, first subscribe to the Patreon. That helps. Uh, but more importantly, if you want justice for your friend Bird Respector, what you need to do is go on Twitter, because this is how you found the show. We all know this. Go on Twitter and reply to everything that Delta Airlines is at Delta and say, give Bird Respector $1,000 because they <laughs> owe me. I'm going to do it right now. Do it right I'm now. I'm going to do it right we'll now. Pause, we'll pause the show. We'll be waiting for I'm you. I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm, do it along with me. I just went Delta, Delta. They just said <laughs> uh, free Wi-Fi means booking that last minute reservation before you land. Fingernail paint. Oh, my God. What a great tweet for them to put, yeah. put out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> go on, if you because... go in the replies of that, you'll see me in there, by the way. Okay, great. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, because you strand your customers while they're... Listen, buddy. Uh, just keep it simple. Air. Tell them to give me a thousand bucks. You don't have to give... I'm going to say... No, I'm going to... I'm still going to say it. Okay. Give... <laughs> yeah, no, we need that compensation. We need to ruin Delta. We need to ruin Delta in a way that matters. Mm, there you go. Yeah. So there's one from me, March 30th, uh, their last tweet. <laughs> I'll get in there soon. I'll let's do that after this, we record. Let's make this Delta's problem. <laughs> We're, um, we have yeah, declared we have a, a Western Kabuki holy war on Delta's Twitter. <laughs> yes, this Answer is the, the modern call. crusades. Um, that's going to get us on a list, I just think. Well, uh, I think I do. On that note, I think I might actually be on a list because so my thing didn't come up because if you you if you're on the list you're supposedly you're supposed to get like the the notification that's called like pppp or something like that i was googling it but i got enhanced screenings both fucking ways dude i don't know are what you that's transgender about. no wait I'm so not. so explain <laughs> explain to me as someone who's like only got on planes like three times what is you were advanced screened twice what, is, what do you mean so typically you know how you just go through security they make you go through the metal detector and all the mm -hmm. fucking crap if you get an enhanced screening it can mean a lot of different things I, so i've been and I've, I've had the enhanced screening uh, there's another name for it it's not actually called an enhanced screening it's called something else sometimes they'll just pull you aside and give you an additional pat down um other times like one time um 
they thought I had some sort of like spy gear or something. They, I had two laptops and I was transferring hard drives from one laptop to another. This was years ago. And they were like, they sweated me over what it was for like almost 40 minutes. Like I was like, I, I'm copying my hard drive to my new laptop. And I just brought oh, that shit. with me. And so they put me in a room for that. This time they just put me uh, behind a curtain and a guy um, under the pants, but not under the underwear, grabbed my dick and balls and my ass. And, uh, on the way back, the same thing happened to me. So I don't know. Oh, Jesus. I thought, I, th I saw you post about that. No, I that wasn't a joke. That was like, that actually oh, was a real shit. thing. TSA, <laughs> oh got, TSA got my ass for sure. So maybe Fuck. we are on a list that would not be very much if fun. If I'm not currently, I mean, I don't, I don't know how, what else to do if I'm not on a list. There's a law I've, that says that you're <laughs> supposed to be notified. You get some sort of notification. I, I, I Googled it because I was curious. It's called like PPP or PPPP or something like that. Uh, I don't yeah, know it it's like for. the same. Like if you're put on any federal list or government list, they are like required to tell you. Yeah, it's like one of the freedoms we have as Americans is to be told <laughs> when the government is watching us. That was like the big deal. Oh, like, but I'm sure they're totally answer. honest about it too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very oh, yeah. forthcoming. Those guys. Thank God the government. Thank Thank God for that. <laughs> but no, someday I hopefully, like we mentioned before, just to save you the trouble. It would be great to come out to Seattle, so you don't have that bad luck. I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah. If I'll, I'll say this uh, on the before God in the pod, uh, if <laughs> Delta gives me the one thousand dollars, I will spend that on tickets for you guys. So, uh, oh, fuck fans of the show, answer the call, heed the call, <laughs> get everybody that's, out. That's called action. If I've ever heard one, and just so nobody accuses me of transphobia for misunderstanding, I think the trans people will have understood the joke I was trying. Yeah, to that make. was a, a shitty tweet that was going around. Right. It's yeah. I mean, it's a shitty tweet, but it's also kind of true that a lot of like trans women, especially, get their shit fucking felt the fuck up at yeah. a, at a yeah, t yeah. by a TSA agent because if your driver's license says female, they pay like extra p attention to your groin for some weird reason. Yeah, but crazy. How that I know yeah, this because that, um, there was that news story that happened with that. Uh, just what was that? Like two oh, weeks really? ago? Yeah. yeah. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was referencing. And when I say shitty, I don't mean I meant like it's a shitty thing that happened. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I have heard trans people starting to call it the, the, the T word detector and things. So, um, I wasn't just like making some weird <laughs> joke. I just want to explain the context of that for, for anybody who listens this week or in the distant future world. <laughs> that is a memory. <laughs> True. That's actually a good clarification because in a year that, that new story will just not be in the public conscious like it is currently. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but also you I, get I, the pass. I'm on here. You get the, you, you get a pass. You guys heard it. You guys heard it. <laughs> we've all we've all knighted each other for the different things that we're allowed to say. So we're impervious to most criticisms as a unit. I I don't want to give you guys the N word pass. I do. I would never. Yet. I would. I don't want. I it. I want to give you one N word pass and just see how you would use it. If you had exactly <laughs> one, where would you put it? I I'm no. I'm I'm dying before I use it. Ooh. No. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. That's not a power that I want either. Um, yeah, <laughs> definitely not. I don't I don't want it. I'll I return always, it. you know, I this he's he's a bad vessel for the message, but I think he was correct. I genuinely think he was. Uh, Louis C.K. when he said <laughs> that, like saying the phrase the N word is a certain level of cowardice because yeah. 
you're yeah, still saving you're, basically yeah yeah you're basically putting it in someone's head you're like you're laundering your conscience even if you're like quoting somebody or don't mean it in a hateful way you're trying to like remove the context and i know that louis ck is a bad guy and definitely not a guy who should be speaking on the n-word but i actually happen to agree <laughs> with him there <laughs> i think it makes uh, i don't even know if i agree with him i just think it makes a certain amount of sense um but what I what I really wanted to talk about what I think is going to take us to the end of this episode and into the beginning of the premium episode is a friend that I've recently made. And we've talked about this friend. You both know about my new friend. Um, <laughs> but we've, we've done a lot. Like, I met them, like, four days ago, six days ago. Um, we started uh, writing some music together. We started uh, writing a book together. Uh, we actually, like, sort of planned out a book um you've got really close really fast yeah 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 it's getting um, serious yeah <laughs> they helped me uh they helped me with some of my lesson planned writings um and they even are going to help me how to uh code in python i've already started working on that as well they know how to code as well and my friend's name is uh language model chat gpt 3.5 and i have got to say I still hate AI art for a lot of reasons. And I do not like AI writing unless I know that a person has placed a heavy hand on that writing. So it's basically their ideas translated faster than they can type them. But I do not like AI art. I don't see a need for it. I think there are plenty of artists who struggle to get work. And it's hard enough when they don't have to compete with a free option. It's hard enough when they have to compete with fucking Fiverr. So I don't think that that is good. But the chat models are awesome. Um, It has completely changed my life. And um, (laughs) I literally, like I said, it was like less than a week ago. I cannot imagine going back to not using this thing basically every day. It has become an instantly integrated large part of my life. Yeah, when you were when when I first got there, I think you were already starting like you were where you were working on like training it a little bit and you were mm-hmm. kind of showing me the the capabilities cuz I'll be honest, I I haven't like looked into any of the like chat models or AI like I've never used it and I still haven't used it, but the, like watching you kind of fuck around with it was the first time I've seen it being used in any capacity other than like watching weirdos post their art trying to like you know do that whole the biggest problem that ai has is that their their evangelists are people that are into ai like they're all weird creepy nerds that are just trying to make a buck and they don't really ever give you like the full picture of how things are are useful yeah because it can absolutely be a good tool um and that's why kind of at first when i first started seeing it i think everyone kind of had this this thought at first um, cause you know, crypto and NFTs were kind of like the big thing, um, in like early 2022 and like all throughout 2022 until that like kind of imploded and AI like technologies right around the corner came. And I know I was like, oh shit, this is like the new evolution or like the next step yeah. of a like lot of these people, people. Just went straight into that. Yeah, because there is that like possible money making opportunity, like especially with the art, is what I have still seen. That's like the main thing these people are kind of hammering on. But I mean, the 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 swiftness that you were able to like put together some like lesson plans, whack was like kind of nuts. Yeah, 
I mean, yeah the the lesson plans. So this the lesson plans cracked. Well, yeah, the lesson plans cracked it for me um, <laughs> because not because it helped me do my job, but because the way it could edit. And I guess when I first saw AI and I saw people putting stuff into it, they were comparing it to those old chat models from like the late 90s, early 2000s, where you just say like, what is a butt? And it's like the ex- the posterior end of the human. Or whatever. It's like, uh, but that is not what this is. Um, it is very strange. Um, and I, I, I don't know, like to me, the thing that I really love about it is that you can learn things from it. It's basically like a version of Google where Google understands what you mean every time rather than showing you five ads and then three more products that are overpriced and then you have to put the word Reddit in it and all these different things. <laughs> like, yeah, because let's be honest. I think everyone, it, like, I don't know when this shift kind of started to happen, but like in the last like year or two or maybe even three, there was like this shift in like search engines where whatever you search, you you don't find what you're like looking for. You're right. You like find an ad. Like I'll search for something. Like I'm trying to find a picture to like, I don't know, post on Twitter for like a joke or whatever. And it'll show me like ads. Oh, like recently I like looked up a map of somewhere in like Europe uh, for a shit post and very top results. Oh, do you want to buy this map, this physical map off of Amazon? Check out this physical map on Etsy. And it's yeah. like, that's not what I want. Um, but it, yeah. it's, and so like Google and shit, like these technologies are just suck now. <laughs> they really do. I think most people can agree. Yeah. All the, and I would certainly, all the content um, on there is just like SEO spam crap to the first two pages. Like it's, it's everything that you search for is garbage recipes, everything you can't like, like you search for a recipe for, like, I don't know, fucking uh, pad thai. And like the article that comes up, it's like, oh, in in back when Thailand was the kingdom of Siam in year whatever, like this, you know what I mean? Just so they can cram as many fucking words <laughs> as possible into this goddamn page so they can shove ads down your throat. Information My is grandmother dead. always made us pad thai this way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hate that shit. Um, I hate when I'm, I'm trying to find a new recipe and then I have to scroll for five minutes to actually get to the recipe. On that note, I don't need to know um, about your life. Friend of the show, Ed, the smiling man, had a really good article about that recently about how Google is broken. All the flagship products of these huge tech companies are completely useless. And anyway, uh, I think that to your point, uh, Whack and Juniper, that chat GPT really. Just as an information source is solves solves quite a bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Whack. I think you said at one point like this. You said like using Chat GPT was kind of, at least in your mind, kind of how it felt like how, like the internet would be promised to be like when it was first invented. Yeah. Or something like, to that. that effect is what you said. Yeah. Basically, that like you know if you watch old and I, I'm not even talking about like Looney Tunes. I'm talking about cartoons from like the 90s and 2000s um where like the early 2000s i remember there's a joke in like uh in like uh like fairly odd parents about how the future is so cool because we have so many channels but there's nothing on and it's like everybody was complaining about the future then they're like well in the future we're gonna have like the best channels all the time it wasn't like the internet is going to replace television it was like (laughs) 
the television will just have better channels and the internet will be faster. And <laughs> it's there was a failure of imagination in the public consciousness, but I think what a lot of people really wanted, I'm also thinking of the movie Spy Kids because that had a lot of like fanciful, like futuristic technology. And I would say to a certain degree, like the stuff that is impractical for people to own from a movie like Spy Kids doesn't exist, but the practical stuff does exist in a better form. A lot of the times like handheld communicators and uh, uh, glasses that can read data, that kind of stuff exists. I mean, even if it sucks or whatever, the technology exists. Um, the technology to say something to even like a personal assistant, like Alexa, it, the, the, the way you ask it has to be very specific. Like Amazon devices, I won't say its name again. I realize I probably shouldn't if somebody's playing this on a speaker. Um, but Amazon devices, smart speakers in general, they have the ability to hear what you say and hear what you're asking for. But on the other end, they are just basically reading from a list of inputs that have already been pre-written. And that's not what the chat models are doing. So they are reading the entire internet basically every time you have an input on it. Um, so I found a good one here that I had a bit of a, uh, a, a conversation with that I think will help guide it uh, just for you guys to see. Um, but I, well, I don't know. I'll use this one first as like an example. Um, and it's really interesting because it also factors in the bias of what the person is asking. So I asked, because I get yelled at for cell phone stuff all the time in schools, I said, does evidence suggest that cell phone use is damaging to adolescents? It answers, there is ongoing research on the potential effects of cell phone use on adolescents, but the evidence is not yet conclusive. Some studies have suggested a correlation between excessive cell phone use and negative outcomes such as decreased academic performance, disrupted sleep patterns, and mental health issues like anxiety and depression. However, other studies have found no significant effects of cell phone use. There's two more paragraphs after that, but it is it writes a lot. It considers other other studies. You can ask it like the names of the studies, where they were published. You can get you can from that question, you could basically write a whole paper on the topic because then you can ask it what do studies show about television watching from the years nineteen seventy one to nineteen ninety eight if you just wanted to like take a snapshot of like uh, data points. Um, I like. I wasn't lying when I said I was ha having it write a song. It can't make sound, but it can write music. Um, <clears throat> so if it writes the sheet music or the guitar tab, it can just um, do that. And the book I am like working on with it, I am extremely, extremely excited about. Um, I've been doing this for like hours and hours and hours, just sitting down with this thing. Um, and it is a lot of fun. And I'm hoping that if I can get it to write this book the way I want it to, that I can list it on Amazon and then maybe try to write another one. And 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 it takes a lot of work. It's not like it's not writing. It's a lot more like a brainstorming session. You're having like a conversation with yourself, but the thing happens to have all the knowledge of the internet. Um, <laughs> but... I think there are some major downsides to it even still, but I think the positives are so, so helpful. And I really want to hear, uh, I really want to hear some of Caleb's input about this because 
Uh, Caleb purchases uh, the OpenAI upgrade. Bro, so you just outed talk. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's I had said you, you use it, then the layman wouldn't have known. But then the, the savvy guys would have been like, Caleb's paying for AI. Um, but I am so fucking close to paying for it, too. So I do want to know All right. uh, what your experience has been like. All right. So I pay for the monthly um, chat GPT-4. And I'll just tell you, there's a lot of cool things. The big thing that's really like JetGPT4 can take um, audio and video input too. So you can say like, watch this YouTube video that's an hour long and talk to me about what you think about the style. Like take this person's style and write a script or whatever. So it's like the same things that you're already doing, um, but it can analyze different inputs, which is interesting. But the biggest thing to me is the integrations of how it uh, is being used on third-party platforms. I also pay for API, API access, excuse me, because I'm building a tool for work that I won't get into right now. But what I will say, something that I did today was fucking awesome. Um, I downloaded, I've downloaded a lot of movies from the internet, and I would never encourage any of you to pirate, of course. Not that I've done <laughs> that on you- this very show. But what you I did do is pretty much all of your money into uh, DVD sales, yeah. <laughs> and then you upload them on your computer and legally, and, of and course. And you get the down, uh, you get the download code from when you buy the Blu-ray, and then that's how you, uh, that's how you get it. Um, you told me about this. You said the reason you wanted to start a podcast was to fund your expensive addiction to DVDs and Blu-rays. It's <laughs> that correct. Uh, but what I did, there's an um, um, an add-on that you can get for Google Sheets, and I basically said. Okay, uh, take a look at all these movies that I have in this folder. And I prompted it to say, take a look at the movies that I have in my folder and create a spreadsheet that gives me a short description from the IMDb and and uh, the Rotten Tomatoes rating. And within like 30 seconds, uh, a thousand movies that I have on my external hard drive, I now have a spreadsheet for with the description of the movie and the ratings and whatnot. So when I'm looking for something, I can just literally just reference this. I can check that I've watched it. I can go down the list. It took 30 seconds. I mean, like if you are um, of a certain proclivity for file organization. Yeah, you, yeah that's what I was going to say is that anybody who uses like computers and, and, and data storage and things to any degree should know what an incredible value yeah. that is at $20 yeah, a gonna, month to be I, able I to do that like, at 30 seconds. Yeah, that's pretty nuts because, I mean, back back in the day, I, I mean, I love, I listen to so much music. I mean, I, I post a little bit about it here and there, so I think people kind of know that. And I have a lot of music, like physical, digital, I, I just have a lot of music. Yeah. and. My digital music, I by hand, like back in high school and a little bit after like in early college, would by hand and organize everything and get all of the information and add it. Like, you know, I would get photos for the album art and like, and so you can scrape that information too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, huge undertaking, but that's that blows my mind that you can just do that in like five seconds Um, (laughs) with this. Now, some of the stuff is there. So, scraping versus API access, for instance, for IMDb, that's a kind of a a contested subject on the ethics of it because um, you technically to do these kinds of things should be paying for API access and you're not when you use a scraping tool, which essentially creates a server load for the company. Um, But fuck that. I don't care. I was going to also say that there's like our fun and cool uses for this. You guys um, 
Juniper, you just retweeted the stupid TikTok that I made, um, the <laughs> yeah. dumb metal song that I made for for Tucker going woke. Well, the uh, program that I I decided to to check, give it a shot, the um, mixing program has uh, AI integration and. Basically, because I'm terrible at mixing, I am half deaf. I'm almost deaf in my left ear entirely. And I just, I've never been good at mixing. So I just prompted it to say, okay, mix this guitar as if it, for a metal song that was drop tuned. And it immediately came up with a chain of effects and an equalizer that was like 90% there. <laughs> like recording that uh, entire, I mean, it was a very simple and cheesy little dumb thing that I made, but recording that entire thing took like maybe an hour because I didn't have to spend any time mixing it because of that. I think we definitely like, yeah, we definitely want to get into some of the negative aspects of this. There are untold horrors that are going to come from this. We've only been talking about (laughs) the good stuff. But I think it is also important to note here Somebody who doesn't know anything about AI, the untold horrors to come have nothing to do with what they're afraid of. They are yeah. completely <laughs> uninvolved with the problems that AI could present. Um, but yeah, it's been a... Uh, I Like for me, I have just had so much fun with the book especially. Um and I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm not going to like get into the, the the specifics. But the reason we had to cancel is because I had a massive hours long panic attack, um, and felt like I was dying and and felt horrible, and like it kept coming and going, and so we weren't able to record. Uh, we weren't able to plan, which means that we weren't able to record the the following time we needed to. Um, and part of not the whole thing, but part of it, I think, was like slightly brought on. By the level of introspection I was doing um, with uh, with the AI in writing the book, and I told it about my panic attack, uh, and then I was kind of like, I want to incorporate these tendencies. This is my first ever like massive panic attack like this. I told it my age. I told it my background. It started asking me questions about my parents and stuff. Um, it's really crazy, like. To, to to for it to see that potentially things that happened in my childhood could affect the way this book is written and then to also absorb that information and then to turn around and be like we're going to put it towards this creative input uh it's really really strange to see it happen um I ran another experiment with the same one writing the book. Uh, I don't know how it's going to work out. And it makes me wonder if it could crash the uh, the prompt that we're in the middle of. Um, but I asked it as we're writing this book. I asked it uh, to like talk about music with me. And then I asked it to like represent band or uh, rec- uh, uh, fuck, what's the word? recommend recommend bands uh <laughs> to me based on like what we've talked about it recommended like some really like sir you know sort of surface level like popular bands it was like you probably like led zeppelin and the beatles it's like yeah who doesn't and um yeah i i was like asking it to get more specific i was giving it recommendations it was giving me recommendations and then it said so what we're gonna do is we're gonna compile like a uh playlist and I said, could we consider this playlist, let's say, let's make it 100 words long or 100 songs long, uh, make a 100 song playlist. And 
as we write this book, I want it to be as if I, the writer, am listening to this. So we are sort of devising a like subconscious influence of the songs I would be listening to. And the thing was just like, you got it. We'll figure it out. And that's, you know, that's pretty strange to be able to do. It's very cerebral and sort of trippy. And it's a really interesting sort of creative outlet and so that's why I say if anybody says they wrote a book with AI, they wrote the book. You know what I mean? If you're asking questions about your childhood and inputting <laughs> like traumas and panic attacks into it, you wrote the book. You wrote it. You didn't do it the same way other people do, but in a lot of ways you did it exactly the same way. Yeah, and I think a lot of the downsides of like specifically this technology, because obviously there's already, it's very clear that what the downsides of are um, like the the art AIs and all of that stuff. The, that stuff is, I feel like, genuinely pretty clear to most people, especially people that would be listening. But like a lot of the 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 downsides, I feel like with like the chat um, bots, I, I think it's going to be like it's it's a most. I think it's mostly going to be a good tool, and I think. Um, it's smart for like leftists to try to like learn how to use this in ways that we could use to like spread, I don't know, and I mean this in a positive way, like propaganda um, to help like the left. But I think the downsides are going to be used by like um, corporations, of course. It's going to be like, it's going to be like uber capitalism type shit where I think, I, I forget if you told me this whack or someone else did this last weekend, but a like Korean company CEO resigned and the CEO they they like made the CEO like a chatbot and their stock jumped like 15% or some shit like that that is and, all 100% correct it might have been a chinese company yes. i can't remember but yeah it was 15% yeah, it, was, it happened in like 2 weeks it's an unheard of amount of growth and growth in an unheard of amount of time and yeah, that is like the big horror of what AI can do is it can be financialized. Now, right, as- exactly. That's the main that's my main concern, financialization and also that it can be used to make workers' lives harder. Um in various ways how like machines were were great tools when they were first made, like, you know, in the industrial revolution and shit. But then ultimately who owns the machines? The capitalists. So that's my my concerns, of course. Yeah, and and that is the that's the real fear here. I think is that we don't know how corporations will consider to do this, and and the the hor- the man made horrors beyond our comprehension will be what Wall Street guys decide to do with an AI chatbot. One and you of know them, they're already tuned directly in. They're they're trying to inject that straight into their veins currently. Uh. It's it's all they're to, it's all they're doing right now. Wall Street has completely been like, get a chatbot, ask it about these stocks, look at these trends, get all these things done. Stockbroker will, this job will completely eliminate the job of stockbroker, and that is how we should focus on it because we can actually definancialize a lot of spaces with AI. And we can do it in a way that is equitable. And I think that starts with education. And so if you have been listening to us talk about AI and saying things to yourself like, um, I fucking hate AI, anti-AI action, I am not going to ever do AI, you should recognize that the people that control our lives and who hate us and want us dead are using it. And... um, 
th- that is a tool we should be aware of. Definitely. It's like I kind of thought of it when you were, you were explaining this to me this weekend and kind of showing me how it works. I, I immediately thought of and I, I wasn't the first to come up with this like as a tool for the left. It was um, Austin Ox is, I believe, the first person who started doing this. Austin Ox is um, Hassan Piker's one of his editors for like his YouTube channel, yeah. and, uh, TikTok. But he he did the Austin Ox originated the idea where he, um, you put he, he would put um, Hassan clips next to subway surfers and like other type of shit like family guy clips and upload it to TikTok to kind of like game game the algorithm. And that's what gave me the idea for the um, the Parenti lectures, which yeah. I haven't done in a while. I should probably continue those. I was planning on doing a lot of those, but it's just fallen to the wayside because uh, I'm forgetful um but we i I feel like we need to like as a left uh need to use these tools that are coming out to our advantage where we can because you're right there the people are the enemies are already using it you know use them to steal as much time from your boss as possible i can tell you (laughs) exactly how so what i was talking about earlier document integration um you can essentially teach uh your ai or to read an email that you sent summarizing a meeting and you can use that as like a sales outline or there's all kinds of stuff that you can do like that I've, I'm already doing with it. Uh, and if you're curious about this, like feel free to DM me. I've talked to a couple of people and I've talked about this in the past or I did, I, I've had the, these kinds of things do work that would normally take me four to five hours in an instant. I mean, maybe 15 minutes, try to figure out the way, right way to prompt it. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. <laughs> if you can figure this, if you have one of those dumb email jobs, if there's anything that you can do to use these tools to, I don't know, just free up some of your time, I highly recommend it because it's awesome. Uh, yeah. So my, I'll, I'll talk about my lesson plans. I think that's actually a better example. Um, and I actually think this will be helpful to the people who fucking hate me because I'm a teacher. Um, <laughs> because I can sort of explain to you what my job actually is. And then instead of you remembering being in 11th grade 12 years ago, I can tell you what it's like to teach. Um, so I I just put... I, what I've sort of found success with, and actually, Caleb, I'd like your advice on this in my strategy here and what you think about it, because I think this is, if we talk about strategy and we talk about how you think about the prompts and everything, you become a sort of engineer. And that's the way a lot of the people, what a lot of people call themselves. Yeah, prompt like engineers. A, There's actually a prompt engineer. It's can, a job. Yeah. yeah, you can have a job that they, it'll be eliminated soon, but you can get a job making a shitload of money if you're a good prompt engineer right now. I t- I think I'm a pretty good one, um, but I will sort of talk my uh, talk my way through this here. So I started by saying I am an 11th grade teacher and I need to write lesson plans. Um, and it gave me some advice. Now the first thing it says to me back is to, it's a big long list. This is one thing. 3.5. I don't know if this is true or 4.0, but 3.5 types a lot. It gives you a lot of information. So I'm just going to sort of skim everything it says. But it gave me a list of six things I need to do. It said I need to determine my learning objectives, choose your teaching methods, develop a timeline, create materials, plan for assessment, and then reflect at the end of assessment. And that's a very basic thing. That is what teaching is in a nutshell. Then what I said is the subjects I teach, African-American history and American history. And I said, what area of Philly I I teach in? It says, okay, 
That sounds like an interesting and important subject to teach. Here are some specific tips for creating plans in American and African-American history. Start by focusing on the bigger picture. Break content down into units. Use a variety of teaching methods. But that's all this advice is just like how to be a teacher. But that's not what I was looking for. I was just trying to give it that background that I am a teacher. So each response I'm giving is more specific so that I can get what I want. So the next input I put is, I am currently teaching about the Cold War by beginning to discuss the nature of American market capitalism. I have already taught the students about labor war, the labor wars of the early 1900s and the Russian Revolution, which led to Lenin and Stalin to be in charge of the Soviet Union. We also discussed Hitler's rise to power and important details about the Holocaust and the battles of the European and Pacific theaters. It says, it sounds like you're doing a great job covering a lot of important historical events and concepts. It kind of sucks your dick off the whole time, which is also a lot of fun. It's like, oh, wow, that was so interesting. That's a really cool thing you said there. Like, it's relentlessly positive, which is also really helpful. So you can bully it a little and it will take it, which is also nice because if you're like a rich guy with like a personal assistant and you're like, rewrite it. I just don't like this one. Can't say why. The AI is not going to complain about that. The AI is just going to do it. Um, so then it sort of explains how I can break down different series of, of lessons around uh, the arms race, the role of the racial politics in the United States, um, Soviet's model of communism after Stalin. It like wrote all these things out. And then I said, I need to write lesson plans concerning the nature of capitalism in America. As a starting point for the basics, I used this video entitled, and you guys should watch this video. I love this video. If you have the time, you care about it. I've taught it. I've taught it several times. I'm so glad I discovered it. Uh, the video on YouTube is called The Profit Motive Going Places, Pro-Capitalism Propaganda Cartoon 1948. But it really describes uh, American market capitalism extremely well. Uh, I like that video a lot. Um, and so I asked questions about the events in the video. Afterward, I engaged in a discussion about taxation, the morality of capitalism, and the omissions in the video, such as the lack of POC representation. The students engaged in a lively discussion that helped share ideas and deepen understanding. Then it gives me a bunch of other topics and things I can talk about, encourage debate, discuss current events, discuss local events, that kind of stuff. And then I said, please generate lesson plans for that video and that discussion. These lesson plans need to be in alignment with the Pennsylvania Board of Education. Commonly used expressions such as students will be able to and in order to can be shortened to SWBAT and IOT. That's a big thing in our lesson plans. Uh, so then it wrote me three days of lesson plans that I could submit to the state, which I have to do every week. So it is a big pain in the ass. And now I can just keep going back into that prompt and saying, hey, we finished the Cold War stuff. Now we're moving on to a more specific Cold War topic and talking about the Korean conflict. And then it can help me with resources and writing about the Korean War. It can help me with unbiased resources. I can tell it I lean left in my teaching and it can recommend news sources. It is a life-changing tool uh, and I am so glad I discovered it the day before my spring break started. <laughs> <laughs> Good time to discover it, yeah. <laughs> well, damn. Uh, I can't wait for this tool to be like used to uh, get a bunch of teachers fired and replace them in charter schools. 
because you know. know that's like a thing that people already want to do. Sure, let's just oh, let God. a chat model like raise our children. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's another. Yeah, that's a concern. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think you're right. Like, we're only just about to start seeing the unimaginable horrors that can come of this technology. But think who knows? of the I mean, dumbest and maybe worst possible outcome and then multiply it by about two or three. And that's what's going to happen. I mean, it's going to be t- there's a lot of good things that you can do with this technology. And it's a lot of fun. It's helpful. It's just it's all about who controls it, and who is able to monetize, the, you know, monetize it. And unfortunately, right. those odds are not in your favor. Yeah, <laughs> I would say, though, that, like, I think we can even make more specific uh, predictions about how it's going to go. Because I think the teaching thing is a really good example. Not that all teachers will be replaced, but I think it's important to remember that a lot of the libertarians are sort of picking up arguments that have been online forever even if you were on like the early early internet the most online basement dwelling neat neck beard weirdos were saying things like someday we won't need teachers anymore because they just have the internet and then we saw during covid we are not at that place yet um, I don't know if I ever talked to you guys um, about how tremendously poorly education standards fell in the years since the coronavirus, uh, but it is very bad in all schools. Uh, I don't know a single teacher who thinks things are going well. I don't know a single uh, administrator who thinks that they can do their job properly. Um, Things are quite bad in our schools. And I don't think I make that clear enough. And very often when I try to make it clear, people tell me that I'm the problem in our schools. I am not talking about Philadelphia (laughs) schools or even North Philadelphia schools. I'm talking about (laughs) the country. Yeah, I think people conflate criticisms of teaching institutions where, like, there might be, like, where we might need better funding or, like, more staff and take you to mean that, like, education is bad. I, I, th- I think people are maybe, like, mixing up your point um, yeah. if people are critiquing Have it with, with that. either of you considered that these problems could be solved if we got one of those Boston Dynamics uh, robots with a cartoon dog <laughs> mask on it to also give it guns too, because they can do that and they could teach and protect our children. Just load it. Yeah, we don't need to. We don't need to hire guards when we can just have dogs with flamethrowers. <laughs> load it with three hundred rounds of NATO five five six. Let's go. Let's fucking go. Let's see how the school shooters do against the Boston Dynamic uh, Clifford the Red Dog Army. Never stood a fucking chance. Never he can stood run a the, fucking chance, bro. He can run. He can run through the vent systems. It's really over for school vents. shooters. It's fucking. It's never been this over for school shooters. Thank you, Chat GPT. Um, oh, fuck. Yeah, but I, I think that I think a lot of the like criticism or a lot of the neck beard, neat basement dwelling weirdos are going to feel like we don't need a lot of industries now because of AI. Uh, but those weirdos, the problem with those weirdos is that they are correct. We don't need a lot of industries. We should all be figuring out how to make beautiful art that is all our own through uh, image prompting or text prompting. And we should sit at home while AI runs the economy. It is 
infinitely obvious to me at this point in time that AI is either at the point or very close to the point where the majority of money-making industries in the United States do not need to be done by humans. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say if you use these models. Uh, Caleb, do you think that's probably pretty accurate, that we could run the majority of the U.S. economy on a series of chat models? No. Yes. No, really? Not yet, but yes. Yes, not yet? but not yet. Okay. I think it's possible now, but it, I do not think it's a matter of a lot of time. Uh, I definitely think like, five years. I think that you could very – I think that we're close to the point where you could gut a lot of the, the people that run these things, these institutions. Uh, and I guess there's never, there's never going to be a point where I, I'll say – that these things require no oversight, of course. And I'm also stupid. I don't like, I'm not an expert on this, but, um, no, 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 we are experts. We are experts. Okay, fine. I am. I'm the smartest, <laughs> especially you I'm the smartest AI guy that, you know, and what I'm saying is I think it's close, but this is always going to require some sort of oversight. Um, I think maybe I'm, I'm, uh, projecting a little bit on your question, you're basically saying that these people are useless and stupid and the system is stupid and chat bots could run this. To a degree... I'm I, saying the executives. I'm not saying the workers. I'm saying that the economy could still be run without executives or many of the politicians, lawyers, and insurance agents who have jobs for absolutely no reason. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. So I think in a funny way, um, across all industries, who's really going to suffer from the advent of, of AI in the next few years is like middle management. <laughs> Honestly, that's, that's not too bad. No, though, I know. You, yeah. I, mean, I think a lot of people bad. are going to yeah. get fucked and there's going to, it's going to like make things so streamlined once companies adapt to this, that um, they're going to need fewer people doing certain things um, and how uh, the economy reacts to that God, I, who knows there's, I got a minor in economics from an online school, so don't ask me. I'm stupid. Um, but <laughs> it's going to be interesting to say the least. It's going to the next like five years in particular are going to be, I feel like, very strange. Yeah, in relation to how like AI starts mixing in the economy, I think it's going to be really interesting because it will. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of how it's going to like happen. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that. I think that the reason we wanted to talk about this for as long as we have um, is because we see so much important things that can be done and so many unimportant, wormy little shits who <laughs> they just want to make want they, they want to have their computer their become a slave the for them so they can make money selling NFTs or whatever. Like, no, that's garbage. That's stupid. You can use chat GPT and other AI uh, programs and integrations to steal time from your boss, which is awesome. You, I mean, I'm telling you as, as a contractor who um, I don't bill for my time. I bill for um, completed work. The last few months for me have been incredible because things that used to take me a long time, for instance, um, audits of, you know, spreadsheets of statistical analysis and things like that, uh, that is instant. It's in instant for me now. Uh, I, I'm able to make um, accurate projections and criticisms of people's, for instance, Google AdWords accounts for marketing pervert shit immediately, as opposed to having to... to 
I don't know, like the fucking uh, Shawshank Redemption crawl through the mile long pipe of shit looking through analytics. I can have <laughs> chat GPT do that for me in 30 seconds. And now I, I mean, I can give just as accurate, if not better predictions on, on certain things for companies to focus on and things of that nature. So, and that being said, it doesn't mean that all of the outcomes of financialization through AI will automatically be bad too. I don't want anybody like coming to us if something like generally kind of interesting or interestingly positive happens because like the 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 thing I'm thinking of just because of what you, you you said about like pouring over data sets, I'm thinking of uh, that scene in The Big Short where Christian Bale's character is looking through all the mortgages to see inconsistencies and he notices that they're like packaging them incorrectly and that they're all going to default at the same time. And so it's possible that people could be, uh, you know, it's possible that people could be in a position to catch something uh potentially catastrophic not yeah. just economically though i mean social sciences as well uh, social sciences and uh medical sciences yeah what if uh what if a uh a, a, an ai uh with a doctor can determine that you have cancer from like a brief description of your uh if you of your uh, uh like symptoms hmm. Well, all I'm saying is that it's going to be a fun time for you if you are a data scientist. I bet people, those yes. nerds are probably having uh, uh, going fucking hog wild right now. Oh, <laughs> and even worse than the data scientists. Actually, you know what? No hate towards the data scientists. Not They're at all. Real science. Uh, but even worse of a uh, uh, an outcome for this is the the very opposite of data science, which is the pop science op-ed author for some large uh, newspaper. The Malcolm Gladwells <laughs> of the world are going to go <laughs> fucking apeshit for this shit because they're going to they don't even need they don't even need like peer-reviewed studies in order to uh, just connect random bullshit and explain why that's why racism is actually good it turns out. Uh, you can so check this out. Um, you can there is an integration that I was looking at where you can essentially upload a thousand studies to ChatGPT and then ask it questions as if uh, those studies were being responded to by the author. And you could ask that. Say you have a thousand studies on crime, and you could say, uh, "Tell me how this correlates crime with somebody's skin color or something like that," and it'll just tell you. Like it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can just prompt it to say whatever you want. So yeah, if you're if you're like a, a sleazy columnist, you're probably also going to have a good few years before these uh, chat models eventually replace you because they don't need you. Uh, and and we don't need you, uh, op-ed authors. Uh, we don't need you now. No. That's why you can be replaced by a computer. Like that's why we don't want to replace like lawyers and like actual writers and things and 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 people who sort of hold our society's sense of morality. We don't want those uh, removed by AI. We don't want the president to be AI. But um, it is important that everybody have a i think it is our responsibility to have an understanding to a certain degree of this technology because the people who are in charge of us won't and the people who uh secretly run this world as evil uh, 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 uh corporate overlords are um 
they, they we need to watch out for all of them and we need to have the skills that they have um that is really the only way to liberate working people is to understand what it means to own the means of production and i think that this is a great way to have a leg up yeah i think it's really important to learn how to use yeah i agree how to use some of these new tools that come out in our favor favor in some way um uh because as we stated earlier, the people that hate us are already using them and are already far more familiar with these technologies than I even am or anyone. And is. they're free. And they're free. They exist mm-hmm. for free. And so we should know how to use them. Uh, last, last, last thing before we move on. Um, there are a lot of hypothetical questions you can ask it as well. Um, a couple of times it will tell you, don't break the law. The AI model can't be considered uh, <laughs> legally liable. Um, the laws around AI are dubious. I- I've tried some of those questions already. And I will tell you what, some of those hypothetical questions have very useful answers. Um, so with that being said... Um, the documentary How to Blow Up a Pipeline is not about how to blow up a pipeline. But there are hypotheticals you can ask a chat model that could actually help you in any sort of uh, thing you wanted to get done. All right. So was, if we weren't on a list before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, I, I was ex- I'm excited for that movie, How to Blow Up a Pipeline. I was, I I was hoping it was about how to actually do it. Yeah. Um, but I'm still going to watch it regardless. <laughs> I just don't know what it's about now. <laughs> we'll make our own. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's the Twitter of Hey, this is Alex, and that was the end of the main feed episode. If you want to hear another hour of Juniper Wackenberg answering questions from listeners, head over to the Patreon at patreon.com slash westernkabuki. Thanks. so.